Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and all of the boats in the ocean, welcome back to another episode of the Blind Leading the Blind podcast. My name is Chris. And I am Mike. You did a little changing up there with the uh, boats and ships, and I worry about that. So we're we speaking specifically to submarines, which are called boats as opposed to ships. All all of the boats. All watercraft. All. I don't care if it's an inner tube floating off the coast of a deserted island with a coconut painted on it. Welcome to the podcast. There we go. I hope, I hope they don't float so far that they lose power in their device. They won't. And have to go recharge. They won't. Use one of those water boy rechargers. Have you never seen Castaway? They won't. Uh, I have, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, sir. Been reminded of it for my <laughs> stupid movie. <laughs> We, you know what I think is a decoration for the podcast? We should get a Wilson. <clears throat> we need to get a, a Wilson volleyball yeah. with, with, a, with a handprint okay. on it and stick we it can, in the corner somewhere. That. We can do that. Yeah. Just as a thought. Yeah, we need to do that. <laughs> now, well, well, I suppose people would think with all this nautical expressionism that's going around <laughs> that we are Sounds like a disease. Nautical, nautical expressionism, expressionism going around. <laughs> attack of the nautical expressionism. Don't, don't worry about me. I got a little bit of that nautical expressionism going on. It makes my eye twitch. There's water on my knee. Uh, <laughs> but we are not. We are actually in the gray and spacious confines of Studio B in the basement of B Ministries in Marion, Ohio. Just like always, nothing has changed whatsoever. The weather's pretty crappy. It's not sunny downtown Marion, Ohio today. Oh, no. It is brisk and chilly <laughs> and gray and rainy and just nasty. Very uh, London-esque. Very un-May-like. This is the first day of May. It's May Day. It's first of May. Maybe we were actually considering having a May Day parade like Russia used to. <laughs> and we were thinking of Russian weather. Is that where you just line a bunch of people up and run down the street screaming May Day? Sort of. Sorry, Pete. Did we just trigger a bad thing there? I didn't mean to. What? Mayday. The universal. Oh, yeah, because Pete, yeah. Yeah. Got it. Pete, fly. Mayday. Mayday, mayday. Yep. Do you wish to declare an emergency? (laughs) Probably should, but I don't. (laughs) But, But if you have an emergency and one that does not need to be responded to in a particularly timely fashion, you might do that. What? <laughs> you could do that on Facebook. You could, I declare an emergency, and then perhaps in a few days someone will respond. You'll feel like the Titanic out there waiting for the Carpathia to come floating by um, while our radio operator goes, what now? Oh, <laughs> kind of what happened. I'm out of here, boy. You can stay. Anyway, you can do it on Facebook. First name, blind, leading, all one word. Last name, the blind, all one word. And there is the place wherein you may declare an emergency. (laughs) You're going to get an emergency email. I know. Oh, my gosh. An email? I didn't give an email address. Oh, no, that was for the, yeah, that was for the Facebook. No, the email, if you would like to send an emergency email, it also might take a while before it gets answered. Um (laughs) Kind of like, uh, probably about the same speed as when uh, <laughs> Gondor calls for aid. <laughs> the beacons are lit. The beacons are lit. Gondor calls for aid. 
Uh, anyhow, um, yeah, blindpod at gmail.com. Send us an email. Please. Or not. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. We'll see it when we see it. Yeah. Fine. I'm good. You good? I'm good. All right. It's time for news. <sighs> Sports news. Sports news up first. The Reds, the Cincinnati Redlegs have won five of their last what? six games. What? Yes. You got a little hot streak, eh? Well, we got the Rangers, we had the Royals, we're going to have the A's, and then I don't know what's after that. And just, we're going to play real baseball teams. Is Hulk Hogan, no, he doesn't play baseball. <laughs> is Jose Canseco dead? I don't think so. Hmm. He's got kind of a brain injury from, you know, that one going off his head. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love watching Jose Canseco play. Why? He was one of my favorite players. Really? He was so intense all the time. Oh, very much. Yep. Yeah. And at the time when I was in playing, uh, well, they called it minor league, but it was like a younger version of little league. Mm-hmm. And uh, my team was the A's. I was the A's. Ah, okay. So. Okay. Did you have an elephant for a mascot? No. No, we had. We just had the green, the green, uh, green and yellow, and I had the. I'll have to see if I can find a picture sometime. I had the, the, the foam, poofy foam hat. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I know. The, one. the, the like, yeah. like the trucker hat, but it mm-hmm. had and it had just like a screen-printed A on the front of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that. It wasn't even the cool Oakland Oakland A's Yeah, it logo. was just an it, A. It was just a block-printed A. Isn't that great? Yeah. Did you all grow little mustaches like Raleigh Fingers and... As a matter of fact, you probably we, had a kid on your team that did, didn't you? No, uh, they were all too young. But we, uh, several of us, uh, did uh, use some paint and/or markers and have some curly Raleigh fingers. Oh, that's mustaches. great! Well yes, done, one hundred percent. Well done. Did you know that I sold a Raleigh fingers baseball card one time for an astronomical amount of money? No, I did not know that. I did. Some weird old timer bought it off of me for like two hundred fifty bucks. Huh. And I'm like, there's no way that card's worth that much money. <laughs> it's Raleigh Fingers, man. I mean, yeah, he's famous, but was it a Topps card? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like a rookie card or anything special. It was just a regular card. But mm-hmm. he. Uh, Did I ever tell you that when I left for college, my mother threw away four and a half boxes of baseball <gasps> cards, shoe boxes. Oh no! Pete Rose rookie cards, Johnny Bench, every every red. And then, I mean, I just, I had boxes and boxes and boxes. Oh, no. I, yeah, I, I sold <laughs> I sold my cards and my comics uh, at the same time and, and purchased a brand spanking new, hot off the press, Tama Rockstar drum kit. Really? And a cymbal set. Wow. And all the accessories. Good for you. Those two things paid for that entire drum kit. Isn't that great? So much money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, my dude, I had mm, so many comics. <laughs> I had like three or four boxes of cards, too, but I didn't really have any. Yeah. I didn't, I think my most my most valuable card was probably the Beckett said it was like buck fifty maybe. I might have had a handful of those, but yeah. like most of them were just regular cards. Right. But when you sell a bulk load like that to a car dealer, oh, they yeah, they don't care. Yeah, they kind of, it's kind of like buying deer antlers. You just sort of do it by weight. Oh, okay. Huh. You just say there's there's grades to it, and the more of them you got in plastic, the more they'll throw at you because they ain't got time to sit and look through every one of them. No, they'll just no. 
guesstimate, ballpark it, probably worth about this much. Yep. Okay. Let's do that. Yep. Except I had like 17 Fred Whitfield cards. He was the one. You know, there's always a card. Mm-hmm. They just every pack has one of them. Oh yeah, it was Fred Whitfield from the Cleveland Indians. Mm-hmm. A, a boatload of those. Yeah. Anyhow, sorry, we went way down a rabbit trail on that one. <laughs> Sports news: Reds doing good. Yep. NFL draft happened. Braves, I think, are doing okay. Beat yeah. the Mets. Yep. As far as I know, that's all we care about. Yep. That's all. That's all that matters. If yep. nothing else good happens the rest of the season, as long as they beat the Mets, we're good. Yeah. Happiness. Um, draft. NFL draft went down. I was trying to find a list of, of all the people that the Bears drafted, but I you got some players. Oh yeah, the Lions and the, the Bears the li- went after oh, this draft. Yeah, the, I honestly think the Lions had a way better draft yeah. than the Bears, even though we have like, and the Bears made several moves yeah. during the draft and got oh, yeah. more draft picks for next year. Yes. And it's like, what is happening? Yeah, like people are using their head. What? <laughs> I can't have they, that. They watched the movie. Did one of the Hallises die or something? Like what? <laughs> Decisions are being made? What? <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I was pretty happy about the draft. It's pretty cool. Um, any other sports news? XFL's on, right? XFL is on. I think the championship is the 13th. Yep. How's the uh, New Jersey Generals doing? Oh, they're in the USFL. I don't know. I oh, have, wait, I, that's a different. Yeah, yeah XFL. Okay. I have been watching. I watched a couple of USFL games, mm-hmm. and I watched a couple of XFL. I like passion in the xfl i haven't seen it i haven't watched a single one yet way better i haven't watched it yeah yeah it's uh it's interesting it's really fun yeah um that's it for sports news regular news i kind of do have a regular news you'll be hit hit me with a regular news. news okay well this comes out of um let me let me thumb this up here real quick i'm sorry i was not entirely you know what we didn't oh well we'll do it later what what'd we do (gasps) <gasps> we didn't. That's all right. We'll catch it right after we news. We'll put it between fun facts. In Kenya, in Africa, mm-hmm. the death toll from a suspected Kenyan starvation cult. <laughs> is it, does it involve the guy who thinks he's Jesus? <laughs> the, 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 they called the cops because the congregation was like, well, if you're Jesus, then we're going to crucify you and see what happens. <laughs> That's a different cat. Um, police said investigators were pausing the search for additional bodies after they had found 90 so far. Oh, my gosh. Last week because the morgues were full. Oh, my goodness. The discovery of math, mass graves in the Shakahola, Shakahola Forest mm-hmm. near the coastal town of Malindi has shocked Kenyans with cult leader Paul McKenzie Ntenge. Ntenge. Mm-hmm accused of driving his followers to death by preaching that starvation was the only path to God. Children first, then women, then men. Wow. That's freaky. Now wild. Wow. Now I've not seen any follow-up if they, you know, have, have done any more than that, but wowie, wowie, woo-woo. That's crazy. Yeah, starvation. Yeah, that's... That you got to be dedicated for that. Well, yeah, it's not an overnight process. Yeah. It's not like drinking Kool-Aid and falling out. Right. This is, you know. That's nuts, mm. man. Mm. That is nuts. The things people do. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, I got a news. Mine's from uh, Lewiston mm-hmm. slash Auburn. 
I don't know if that's in the United States or not. I there's think a, it is. There's a Lewiston, Maine. There's a Lewiston, Montana, I think. There's an Auburn in Alabama. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to find out like a location on where this is at. It just says Lewiston, Auburn. Anyway. Okay. Uh, in Lewiston. So it says nearly two dozen. Uh, here, I'll read the headline. Headline reads this. This is what caught my eye. Naked man rescued from Lewiston Canal after fleeing from police on Friday. Lewiston, Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, <laughs> we'll find out, I guess. Uh, a 39-year-old man jumped in the canal while fleeing from the police. Uh, nearly two dozen rescue workers had to respond to rescue the, to Canal Street on Friday morning uh, to pull a 39-year-old man from Philadelphia from the yeah. canal. Wow. Unable to climb a ladder to the bridge at the end of the Pine Street, at the end of Pine Street, the man was lifted up to the walkway using a rescue sled and transported to St. Mary's Regional Medical Center by ambulance. Uh, while, re- while awaiting assistance, the man grasped the ladder with the help of an emergency worker. The man was naked, except for a life vest provided by rescue perf- personnel. Well, that's thinking ahead. Oh, no, provided oh, by rescue personnel. Oh, they personnel. chucked him down a life vest. Oh, okay. here, here, don't die. We need to rescue you, and then we're going to arrest you. Um, <laughs> <coughs> It's, it's sort of like an arrest-you-esque. Est, est, excuse, excuse the phlegm. Lots of drywall dust today. Uh, according to Lieutenant Derek St. Laurent, Lewiston Police, my guy, uh, he first began receiving calls about a naked man running around downtown Lewiston at 9.37 a.m. 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 I like that part. The, okay. the man ran through Kennedy Park. Okay. and entered seven, several businesses, <laughs> Lawrence said, even running past the police station. <laughs> he ran from police when approached and jumped in the canal while fleeing. Drug use was a factor, he said. <laughs> was it really now? I can't imagine that. Uh, the man is from Philadelphia but has been living between there and the Lewiston area for some time. This is not the first time police have interacted with the man. Uh, St. Laurent declined to share the man's name due to medical nature of the call. Interesting. Your HIPAA laws at work. Uh-huh. Yeah. There you go. Naked dude. Hi. Jumped into water. Well, maybe he thought he was going to throw off the scent from the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, that's my news. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. You got any more news? Um, nah. No? I don't care. Okay. No. <laughs> no, we're good. All right. That's news. I'm all thrown off. Yeah, I know. Uh, we did definitely skipped uh, order, and that's my bad. I was I was excited uh, to talk about the naked dude jumping in the water. That's um, really not a valid excuse. I, I find that to be somewhat mm, disconcerting. I shall have to pay penance. Uh, but now we will uh, backtrack just a hair and okay. say... <laughs> dead report. Yay. We got some... I almost said we got some good ones this week. That's not kind. That's not, that is not kind. That's not what you want to say for uh, for dead people. There are some significant people who have passed over and joined the choir invisible. Walked um, over the rainbow bridge, as it were. Although I thought that was just puppies and kitties and stuff. No, that's a... That's where you meet your puppy or your dog or what, isn't it? That's rainbow. a Thor thing, isn't it? I don't think so. There's a comic Valhalla, thing. There's a rainbow bridge to Valhalla? Yeah. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, uh, it's made of light and rainbow. Also happens to be a 
time travel and and or dimensional travel device. It's a prism with a black hole. That's what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much something Great. like that. Man by Roy G. Biv. Uh, well, the fellow that mans it uh, is not rainbow colored. No. Mm-mm. He no. a big dude. Is he? He's scary. Does he have a name? He does, but I don't remember what it is. Oh, okay. I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, anyway, in terms of dead people. Yeah. Virginia Newhart passed away this last Virginia week. Newhart, my Vir- guy. Fred, no, it's a girl. Okay. But not anymore. Um, notable because that is Bob Newhart's wife. Yeah, I recognize the Newhart name there. Yeah. Bob Newhart's wife has passed away. He's still alive. As opposed to New Hope. Which is different. Yes. That's a church. No, that's a, no, cid- Bob, that's a city. Bob, in- Bob New Hope. Bob New Hope. Yeah. Not, not Bob New Hope. Bob Newhart. Yep, there you go. Okay. New Hope, Indiana. <laughs> Harry Belafonte. Harry Belafonte. For those of you who don't know the banana song, come Mr. Tallyman. Tally me banana. Daylight come and me one, one go home. home. Yeah, so he passed away. Quite a guy if you've never actually investigated or looked at anything in his life. Very much a civil rights activist. Very really. Oh, very much. Um, so, I honestly didn't know anything other than that song about that. Man. Oh, really? He was an actor. Did a lot of neat things. Hmm. Interesting, cool dude. And last but not least, from a city close, near, and dear to my heart, the former mayor of Cincinnati, Ohio, Jerry Springer, has passed away. Two claps for the mayor. <laughs> Did you know how he became to be unmayored? Nope. Of the city of Cincinnati? Nope. Well, he wrote a check to a lady of the night. <laughs> a woman of ill repute? Yes. A doxy. A floozy. Mm-hmm. A floy floy. Mm-hmm. And he wrote her a check with his name on it. What an idiot. <laughs> Uh, what an absolute idiot. Isn't that great? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. No, it wasn't Stormy Daniels. Don't get on. What? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Anyhow, is that all your dead report? That's all the dead that I know. All right. There, I'm sure were other dead people. There were, I'm sure. But not on here. Now, you see, that gives people something to strive toward. <clears throat> you can be on the dead report when you die. And live your life in such a manner that we, he will be mentioned over the broadcast <laughs> waves when you are dead. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's hilarious. Wow. Um, all right. Well, I guess since we covered now dead report and news, yeah, that brings us right on up to... to Fun facts. <sighs> Mr. Wilson, fun fact me. I will. Did you know that on March 3rd in 1980... I wasn't born yet, so probably not. <clears throat> John Lennon... Okay. ...wrote, quote, HTV, a small regional television station from England, called about a children's TV show that they're developing around a group of talking railway engines. They wanted to know if Mr. Lennon would consider narrating it. He responded by saying, a beetle? And then I told them to 
perhaps go not jump cons- off a bridge. Not consider him anymore. However, another beetle did respond. Ringo Starr narrated the first and second series of Thomas the Tank Engine and was to say, Thomas is a smashing little engine. He's number one and never lets anyone forget it. Ringo then became the Mr. Conductor for a Thomas spinoff, Shining Time Station. Stop it. No, you didn't. Yeah. I had no idea. yeah, because I remember seeing it going, that's Ringo, dude. Wow. Now, now, there came a point in time when Ringo did not do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So do you know who the second Mr. Conductor on Shining Time Station was? Was John Lennon? Nope. (laughs) Denny Doherty. Now, that name doesn't ring a bell until I bring this remembrance to you. He was the fourth member of the Mamas and the Papas. Oh, my goodness. I remember watching Shining Time Station with a smile. I've seen it. Mm -hmm. And looking and going, that is Denny Doherty on a children's show. (laughs) No, no, no. Okay, we're not going to talk about who he is. (laughs) Excessive debauchery in his musical and other professional life, but then he became the narrator for a children's show. Wow, and a famous one at that. Yeah, quite the. Yeah, I've seen I've seen Shining Time, Shining Station, whatever. Shining what? Shining Time Station. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, um, I definitely did not know that Ringo was the was yeah, the narrator. The first one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I remember hearing his voice from another room and going, "Oh, can't be." Went in and looked. Well, I'll be. Sat down and watched it. Hmm. Yeah. That's kind of a fun fact. It is a fun fact. I enjoy that fact. Yeah. It's fun. If, if for no one else, it's fun for you. It, it is fun for me. It would almost be like Ian Anderson playing the flute for that show. <laughs> Ian Anderson of Jethro Tull fame. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Hast thou anything of fun and I, factual nature? I, I do. Please. Um, Enlighten us. Well, uh, I have here a fun fact about an arachnid. <gasps> With a leg span of up to 12 inches. What? That's big. A leg span of up to 12 inches. The giant huntsman spider is one of the most terrifying arachnids on Earth. That would be. It gets better. Not only are these creatures enormous... But they're also incredibly fast. So fast. Look up a video on a huntsman spider. It will freak you out. Mm -hmm. In fact, they move so quickly that they don't even bother making webs. They just chase their prey down (laughs) with their pinchers bared and latch on to it. Here's the good part. Don't worry, I'm not done yet. They have a record for killing everything from insects to possums and small cats. Oh, my goodness gracious. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. That is the stuff of nightmares right there. You think? Look at this thing. I, it's, I, it's insane. I saw I saw that picture of it that you just showed me, which is a good size one. Mm-hmm. And I, I almost sent it to you. <laughs> but I, I know he's going to get He's going to find it. Mm-hmm. He'll find it. I did, and I sent it to my wife. My wife is terrified of spiders. Yes. And I sent it to her. <laughs> I was like, hey, babe, check this out. 
I am not terrified of spiders. I'm not the biggest fan of having them on me, but they fascinate me. They're interesting little critters. They, they really fascinate are. me. Yeah. I, got, I, I, yeah. I actually went all the way across the world to look at spiders and to study them. Was that your primary reason for going to yep. Australia? Funnel web spiders. Interesting. That was what I chose, did. I could have chose did other things, yeah. but I chose did that. I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. One time, uh, funny, quick, quick uh, spider story. Um, one time I was going uh, squirrel hunting, and squirrel season opens in the uh, early throws, well, the late throws of summer and in uh, August, and it's usually hot as crap outside. Mm-hmm. So the insects are still very much a real thing. And I'm going into the woods before sunup, and it's dark, and I just have a you know tiny little pin light or whatever to make my way in there. And I'm walking along, and all of a sudden I feel something smack me in the face, mm-hmm. and I mean it felt like smack me in the face, and yeah. I was like, what? And I backed up, and I felt it come off my face, I hit it with the light real quick, and I, I'm not sure what people are. It, it's an orb weaver spider. Okay. I don't know what folks around here call them. Mm-hmm. I call them banana spiders. It's not a banana spider. A banana spider is a different species. Right. But I call them banana spiders. It's a giant garden orb weaver. Uh-huh. They're about four inches long uh-huh. and they're bright yellow. And they have a real penchant for putting their webs right across a wide walking path. I was walking down a mowed path yeah. <laughs> through the woods and, uh, sucker smacked me right in the face now they're relatively harmless they're not going to hurt you they're not poisonous or anything they're just there to catch other bugs but it's kind of freaky to get smacked in the face with a giant spider that's an unusual (laughs) feeling yeah yeah uh yeah so anyway i've walked through giant webs in the woods but never oh oh yeah yeah and they're everywhere it, it, when the dew is still on and the sun comes up you look across oh my gosh they're everywhere yeah Anyhow, that's fun facts. There we go. Little harp music for you. I just feel so celestial. 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 I was going to say heavenly, Hmm. but I decided not to. Hmm. More Draco or Orion? I got sort of serious when I thought about it. You dog, you. <laughs> oh, jerked him right back to it. By the way, what? Did, did you know? That, I, now, I now, doubt it, but go ahead. Now, this is, this is an interesting thing. When I was a kid, one of my favorite shows, and I watched it with my grandmother primarily, honestly, mm-hmm. weirdly enough, was The X-Files. Mm-hmm. There is so much in that. I recently found it, and I'm like, oh, man. You're watching it again. Oh, I yeah. watched it when it was first on. And there's so much in it that I didn't remember that I'm just like, this is so interesting. Like, And I love it just as much as I did when did I was a really? kid. I was like, holy crap, this is really good. Why did this ever go away? Like, we could still be having Scully and Mulder out here doing their thing. Yeah. I think David Duchovny wanted to do other things. I'm sure. <laughs> he got a little bored with that I, I character. Think, I, I think that show was on for a long time. Mentioning mentioning that. Mentioning that. Um, I have found something on AMC. 
Oh yeah, you were saying a movie channel, I, and I I've, <laughs> I don't usually recommend things, mm-hmm. but from the episode that I have seen, there is nothing overtly awful about this show. But it's called Lucky Hank. Um, I just encourage you to <laughs> take an hour and watch an episode. <laughs> Because it is so incredibly, spectacularly bizarre without being filthy. Now, I wouldn't necessarily let your 12-year-old or 8-year-old watch it. You know, you, you parents need to look at it first and decide if that's within the realm. Sure. But there was nothing offensive in it. I mean, overtly offensive. Mm-hmm. But this character is, well, as I, as I said last night, having watched most of it, I am about three friends away from being that guy. <laughs> and I'm not kidding at all. And me and Pete are two of them. And yeah. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. Do we fit the character of the friends? Sort of. One of them does. Yes. Ish? Yes. Yes. All right, um, then. So, yeah. Yeah, you fit one of them. <laughs> Pretty well. That's kind of scary. It is. <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have to give it a run and I, see. I may have to sue them for absconding with my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Oh, so really good. Lucky Hank out there on AMC. All right, then. Lucky hey. Hank. Well, this is about the portion of the podcast where we need to talk about something relatively serious and important okay. and worth value. Okay. Um. We're pretty okay on time. We're only 30 minutes in. We should be. Um, what are we going to talk about? Well, you had sent me something earlier today. Mm-hmm. It was a, a, a picture of the, um, the PowerPoint screen from Sunday. Uh-huh. Um, do you remember what that said? Or am I going to have to look it up? No, I do. Okay, he's got it right there. Um, so, yeah, Pastor Mike Sermon on Sunday, we usually don't, uh, we, we actually try to stay away try from talk, that, talking yeah. about because we do that on Wednesday. Um, but there was a particular line on one of the slides that caused me to take a picture of it. Okay. The particular line reads as follows. It says, just stop. Lay down the burden of being what you can't. In that particular line, I told uh, Pastor Mike after the sermon was over, we were cleaning up the stuff off the stage, and I said, you know, that particular line, I said, you know that was one of the most life-changing things for me. Like that particular concept, mm-hmm. the process of trying to lay down the burden of trying to be something you're not, trying to be someone you're not, trying to do things that you can't do. Right. And so, and he just grinned and said, I know. <laughs> Walked away because he was there for all of it. Yeah. He was sort of the impetus, impetus for some of it too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought might we we might talk about that particular concept today. Okay. Okay. What it, what 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 is immediately comes to your mind with that? For me, that statement 
goes right to the heart of how every human being wants to determine what they know and what they do and what they, who they are. Yep. And then we take, we put expectations on ourselves in light of who we think, who we determine or think or opinionize that God has made us. Yeah, we, we, we determine, right, Yeah, uh, who, who we are or who we're supposed to be. Right. More often, who we're supposed to be. This, this whole fight happens usually in search of who you are. Yes. And who you are as a person or who you are in the service of God? Both. Everywhere. Okay. Both. Yeah. Um, at least for me, it was both. Oh, it and, and so, like... They're, right. The the expectations that form in your mind, you have determined that there are certain expectations in certain bars that you need to hit, certain parameters that you need to fit in, certain mm-hmm. molds that you need to squeeze yourself into in order to be right, or else you're not okay, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's not okay that I'm not like this. Mm-hmm such and such and so forth that whole thing comes about i think uh, in search of who or what you're supposed to be in god and just who you are in general as a human being because remember this whole thing being transformed right there's a process happening where you're not going to be the same as you were at the end of it. And so in that process, there's a looking forward to, well, well, obviously I'm changing. I don't know if I like this, right? Or, okay, transformation time. What's my goal? Where, where's the target, right? Where am I supposed to go? Right. Where's the milestone? Am I sure. hitting the milestones on the way to the goal? Yeah. What, where's this? What, what's this look like? Right? And so for me, you know, I was early 20s and trying to figure out what it means to be a grown-up, what it means to be a man, mm-hmm. because I missed that whole train mm-hmm. where normal people hit it. Um, and I... It was too late at that point. I was already married and had babies, and all of a sudden, real life and responsibility was just kicking me in the cojones, and, and I didn't know what to do, and I was freaking out. And God was just like, it was like being in a pressure cooker, and God just kept cranking it down and cranking it down and cranking it down. And finally, I was like, man, what gives? <laughs> like, what the heck, man? And there, to a certain degree, for a while there, there was a lot of kick. There was a lot of fighting, fighting between me and God. And God. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of uh, what the Bible refers to as kicking at the goads. Mm-hmm. Right, and mm-hmm. God was trying to poke me in a certain direction, and I wasn't having it. Right, and be- because expectations and determinations, and no, it's not. That's not no. But mostly, it was arrogance. Oh, absolutely. Mostly it was, uh uh-uh. I decide who I am. I decide what I do. And I'm, no, no one else gets to decide that but me. And I've testified 
tons sure. of times about sure. about what comes of that, right? <laughs> well, I, I, when you talk about that, to me, it's always very interesting because you have always, it seems, a certain self-examination. Oh, 100%. A certain introspective nature, nature about who you are and what you're doing. Yep. I did not. Yep. Yeah, everything means something right about me right everything i do or don't do or say or everything Mm -hmm. and that's always been i don't i don't even know why but it is and in me that brought up this whole period of decades where it was all about me i can just do whatever i want Mm -hmm. there are no if i place expectations on myself then i am placing in my mind this is what i was thinking sure that i am placing limitations on me and limitations are not good. Limitations are bad. Yep. Um, that was the viewpoint. And that was how I saw it. Yeah. Um, because I had taken the learning that I had in the up, my upbringing of, you can do anything you want. Just go do it. Do you want to you wanna spend two weeks, three weeks every summer just going with a bunch of guys and backpacking in the Rocky Mountains somewhere? out in the wilderness, go do it. You'll never have an, an opportunity. You may never have an opportunity to do it again. So do it now. And that ingrained in me this, oh, I want to do that. So I'm going to go do that. What's interesting about that. I had the same mindset, except I had couple that with the overlording, <laughs> not overlording, overwhelming, overwhelming. understanding of nah you can't do that interesting the desire and the idea to do all those things mm-hmm. was there mm-hmm. but there was always some massive monument in the way that I couldn't do it right and even even if I had wanted to I don't think I could have got past that interesting and I went blowing past it and to some degree I still struggle with that yeah Oh yeah, and, and and because there's always my whole life, there's always been this. I think it really started with like because I, like I said, I went to Australia. I was gonna I right. was gonna be a field biologist. Right. Like that's what I was gonna do. Yeah, and then I remember sitting in the guidance counselor's office with my mom, and the guidance counselor going, "You're probably not gonna get to go to college." And my mom going, oh, you're definitely not going to college. I can't afford it. You can't afford it. You don't have straight A's, so you're not going to get a scholarship. Mm -hmm. You're not going to college. And so I just gave up on everything. I was like, well, I guess that's not going to happen. And so that kind of viewpoint of you will never have what it takes. You will never have what it requires to be who you want to be. No matter what, you will never make it there. Because circumstances are are coming over top of that, or circumstances are blanketing what you want to do. And always will. And always will. Okay. And there is no way around that. 
remember we're talking about our thought process yeah this. Yeah, this yeah, yeah is not truth this is yeah our thought no process. this is yeah growing this up. is this is 40 years of yeah, murder no <laughs> no yeah no matter how hard you work no matter how good you are mm-hmm. you'll never get you'll never amount to anything mm-hmm. you're just a poor hillbilly kid from a hillbilly place and the only thing you're good for is doing something with your hands mm-hmm. you never amount to anything other than that and so it's kind of pointless to try right now that juxtaposed with the incredibly ridiculously creative and adventurous person that I am yeah. just created this crap storm mm-hmm. inside of me and by the time I hit my 20s, because basically once I got out of my mom's house, it was like, well, maybe I don't have to think that way. Maybe I can just go do stuff. Right. And so I tried, right? And I'm like, well, so maybe I don't have to listen to all these people. I can go do what I want, right? Now that I'm out, now that I'm away from all of that, oppressive mentality (laughs) ain't nobody telling me what to do yeah i'll decide and so there was this for lack of a better term two middle fingers to the air to the world yes going i'm gonna do what i want right for the first time in my life daggone it i'm gonna do what i want Mm -hmm. well after about (laughs) Three, four years of just mowing through employment. Mm -hmm. Three days here, six hours there, Mm -hmm. maybe two weeks here if Mm -hmm. it was okay. And it was this mindset of, I'm going to find the thing that I want to do. I don't care about anything else. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to subject myself I'm not going to be like the rest of the men in my family who are in their late 40s and grumpy and hate their entire life because all they've done is slave for everyone to eat it. And they hate everyone. I'm not going to be that guy. So I'm going to find something I enjoy. And that was the whole mentality. It had nothing to do with anything other than I don't like this, so I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And that was my entire life. Fast forward to the realization <laughs> that you cannot have a wife and children and any sort of life and have that mentality. And that was just beating me to death. The, 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 the boat turn was standing in the parking lot one night after, I mean, my wife and I were just at, at the very bare threads of marriage. And I was kind of clueless about it. And I mean, I knew that she was aggravated most of the time. I didn't really consider that I was the source of that. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I remember Mike snatching me up in the parking lot one night. It was like 1030 at night. And he was like, do you realize 
how close you are to losing your wife. And I went, what? He's like, dude, your wife's about to leave you. If you don't change what you're doing, you're going to lose your whole family. And I was like, and I turn around and look across the parking lot at my wife, who's standing next to our car. And I look back at him and I'm like, where are you getting that from? That's how clueless I was. I was right. like, what no, do you, I, no, I understand I'm that like, part. What I do you mean? Them. Yeah. I'm like, look, I know that I, I'm not the most, like, in, like, I don't have the best job history. I'm not the, I'm still trying to figure this whole thing out. But, like, I didn't think I was that bad. Right? And, and, and he was like, no. Like, the, the conversations that, that your wife has had with my wife, like, and, and so it began this journey of me trying to <laughs> figure out how to submit to God, figure out how to be a man and a grown-up, how to be a husband, how to be a dad, mm-hmm. all the things that I had just completely gotten rid of for several mm-hmm. years because I didn't want to. Right. And <laughs> I don't know. It was There was this moment where I was like, well, okay, that's – that's enough for me then I guess I have to figure out how to do this Mm -hmm. and so then began the real fun part of trying to figure out how to turn off all these switches Mm -hmm. and I remember after about honestly probably two or three years of just beating my head against the wall trying to because I okay so here's where the crux of this is right here right The idea of being someone that you're not, the idea of trying to determine where the target is and hit it, right? And so what I did was, okay, obviously, I don't understand any of this. So I thought the best way to figure this out, find all the men around me who are doing the right thing Mm -hmm. and be like them. And so I started doing that. And I became the most miserable human being on the face of the earth. Yep. You were trying to live someone else's life. Yeah, for sure. I was trying to apply all of these things to myself. I was just dragging myself through the dirt. I mean, for like two years, mm-hmm. it was just, I was a wreck. I, I was like, well, I guess this is what adulthood is. You're just miserable. I, now I understand why all why the older. All the, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is what it is. Suck it up, big boy. Welcome to life. You don't get to be that guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so there was a point where um, I, I just kept, you know, I would, I, I had a job. Like the biggest thing for me was employment, right? Because I despised the idea of going to work every single day. Mm-hmm. I hated it. There was no worse existence. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I have to, I guess I just have to deal, I'll just do it, right? And so I remember the first time that I lost a job where I was actually attempting to keep it. Like I didn't do anything. Right, right. And I just remember being crushed. Yeah. 
I mean, so I, yeah, I got a job at the prison, yeah. and I was working there. Everything was going great, and uh, I remember when I lost that job, I came home and I remember just sitting in the shower, just bawling my eyes out as a grown man because I was like, "What is wrong with me? Yeah. Like, what what is broken in me that?" Like, I don't understand because I didn't do anything wrong. Right. And I was like, really? <laughs> and so there was this, you know, I picked myself back up and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we kept going. And it, at some point in that mix, uh, maybe even before that, I don't know. But one of my really good friends uh, was about to go into the Army. And there was an opportunity that I might go with him. Mm-hmm. And I was probably 24, 25, something like that. You're older than Was I? I was around. Oh, were you? So we were kicking around this thing, and my wife talked me into going and talking to Mike about it before I mm-hmm. did it. And... I remember sitting in his living room going and just breaking down because I was like, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do. Like, I don't really see any other way that I can provide for my family and do things. I'm like, just going to do it. Everybody will be taken care of. I'll have good money, good benefits. Everybody's taken care of. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Right? And so we had this whole conversation, and I remember just breaking down in the middle of the conversation being like, dude, I have tried for the last several years to do X, Y, Z things, and it's just it's just tearing me apart. Like, I hate it. Like, it's so, like, I don't understand what's wrong with me. And I remember him looking at me and going, you know, you should not wish to be someone who is not half the man that you are. For him to say that to me <laughs> was a big deal. Oh, absolutely. Big, big deal. Yeah. And I just went, what do you mean? All of the people I just listed off are such great human beings, and I am just garbage. Right. What do you mean? And, and he was like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> All of the people you just listed off are not you. Yeah, they can go to work and like trip hammers every day and yep. do that whole thing. But there are so many things, so many qualities that you have that they would kill for. You're just getting hung up on the one thing. Yeah. And I just remember going, okay, fine. But all of the stuff that God gave me to work with doesn't pay the bills. So what am I supposed to do with that? Right. And so... Again, I keep going back to this. When God says go do something, don't make a determination about where, the, where it's going to land because then you start wrecking the whole thing. And that whole, like, there, my entire early 20s was just, I felt like just a blender because it was so difficult. And nothing really got accomplished because 
the entire time was just spent trying to fit myself into a box. That wasn't even, that wasn't even God's intention. Right. At all for you to fit into a particular box. You had determined that there had to be a box you had to fit into. Well, sure, because there are all these things that men do that I don't do. Yeah. And so I have to do all these things or I'm not a good man. I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good father if I don't do all these things. And in the same conversation, I remember Mike going, I've never said this to anyone in my life. And I don't want to say it now, but I feel like it might be the case. And I went, oh, God, <laughs> what is happening? And he said, I think there is a possibility. You may not be cut out to work a nine to five. That's not who God made you to be. And I went then what the heck am I supposed to do? Right. Like, I, I don't understand. <laughs> because, because I was trying so hard. I, had, I was putting so much effort into doing things the right way, <laughs> the way that it's, air quotes, supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I just remember him going, look, the only thing that matters about a job is does it provide for your family? Yeah. Okay. Everything else doesn't matter. That's just one little piece. The rest of you is all over there. And it's like trying to figure out how to be me or even who the heck me is Mm -hmm. for that matter. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, my entire life had been spent trying to be other people. Oh, absolutely. I get it. And and so when people tell me, you know, you're really easy to talk to. Mm -hmm. It's because I'm like 5,000 people you've met before. And I have this switch that I can just flip and become someone else if need be. And it's like, (laughs) it's this weird thing. But all I, I remember having this thought of, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this because the toolbox that God gave me is not, is not enough to cover it. There are crucial pieces that are missing. In your estimation. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so, I, I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm rambling at this point. No, I just, I'm, I'm struck at this come, point. Come back at me, Freud. I'm... Yo, mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was an easy one. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> we ain't got time for that. Your whole understanding of who you are and, and, and this ability that God has given you to be aware of all the things around you, everything that's going on around you, you are at times, I know, hyper aware of yeah. all those things to the point of just balling up mm-hmm. do you realize with me that does that that i have to make an effort i have had to train myself to be aware of something other than me hmm. i can go through all of the events of my life <laughs> and basically go huh what i don't care about that yeah whatever that person got hurt it wasn't until i made a major major huge error in my life 
And then it was some number of years before it really struck me like, oh my gosh, I did that. And since that point, it's been, I have had to discipline myself to be aware of any action I take, the effect that it might have on someone else. And anything that I do, how am I interacting with another human being like that? Um, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday morning, uh, Sunday morning, that that sense of being absolutely alone in an entire group of people, it's very easy. And I became very comfortable with it because I didn't want to engage. It wasn't important. It wasn't like I rejected the idea. It just didn't feature. Hmm. So I did entirely. Oh, I want to do that. I'm going to go do that. Yeah, I can do that. And that's, and, and, and it's not just, you know, the, the big stuff. It's all the little stuff in life where I, for a long, for decades, did not have any engagement in the other people around me to the point where they felt like, well, he didn't care at all. I cared, but I just didn't know. And I didn't have that kind of engagement that would cause me to be, to demonstrate that caring. Excuse me. He's getting all choked up. I swallowed something wrong. <laughs> no, there's, there's a lot of pain in this. Oh, there's an sure. immense amount of pain. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, if I had the opportunity to say to someone, the most important thing you can do in your life as as you work you know work out your salvation with fear mm -hmm. and trembling sure as, as you as you see that be aware of everyone around you be willing to be aware of whatever is going on around you yeah um i had an up last week i was like okay god so so please make me aware please help me to understand, you know, certain situations and what's going on and people that I really care about. And the next thing he did was he started bringing people to me. Ding, 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 ding. And he said, you can do this, but you have to do it not in the way you think, but in the way I think. And it's okay to sit and listen and not make any determinations about what you need to say. Just let me do it. And so those were some of What I can't do, what I don't, you know, if, if we use that word, something that I can't do, I don't naturally empathize at a deep level. Mm -hmm. I go, yeah, that hurts. That's got to hurt. Yeah, I know what hurt is. Okay, what's next? Mm -hmm. um, not only do I shut out, have I, not in, I try not to anymore, but there people that I kind of kept at a distance who were trying to help, they finally gave up because they couldn't get past the distance part because I had convinced myself that I didn't need or couldn't have those kinds of relationships where it was an equal sharing. There had to be, there had to be determination either by them or by me. 
it caused me for a number of years to become hyper aware of everything and everyone around me. And it wrecked me, absolutely wrecked me. But that's what God had to do to get me to a point where I could understand empathy and engagement and love the way God loves and not having to worry about any determination about anything. Mm -hmm. I don't have to determine anything. If someone would come to me with a difficulty, I had to determine, was that a difficulty? Is it really a difficulty? And what is there that I have to do to help them through that, to fix it for them or mm -hmm. even fix it with them? And I realized that all I was doing was I was applying all my old worldly experiences to that determination, which was horrific. Yep. So the, so the thing that I can't do is use me and my determination to respond to anything. Yeah. Therein lies the rub because for for me it was trying to be trying to fit in a box that i don't belong in and i and i still i still have trouble with that because i mean i'm okay with doing whatever but like i it still fights me like i still of course it still breaks me because of i still i like i make jokes all the time and i'm like i tell my kids i'm like y'all are screwed they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you have a musician for a dad and an artist for a mom. Like, mm -hmm. you, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> and because I remember, like, I there, I distinctly remember being like, I don't know, 26, 27, and going, I have absolutely zero usable, valuable skills mm -hmm. as a man as a person I can play guitar and write songs okay. unless I want to give up my entire world to make that the thing that pays the bills then I'm useless therein there comes that determination again right right when in reality God made you the kind of person that can talk to anyone and can listen and engage with any human being that walks into your path true story that's what he has. Yeah. And I kept tying, and, and here's, here's that whole, the burden of trying to be someone or something that you can't be, right? Um, what happens is, or at least in my case, all of the things that you do or don't do or achieve or don't achieve or what all of the things get tied to who you are to your value yeah and so every time so there was a point where i would just get a job lose a job get a job lose a job get a job lose a job i didn't care because mm -hmm. that was at my doing mm -hmm. i was intentional about most of the time because I didn't want that. Uh, right. Let's move on and find out what we want, right? Right. Then the boat started turning and I'm like, okay, I actually need to care about this 
And so I started putting mm -hmm. forth effort to not have that happen. Mm -hmm. And then it kept happening, not nearly as frequently, but it would something, something would happen and I would lose a job. And I remember at one point going, this is stupid. Like, this is pointless. Like, I am obviously broken. I remember looking at my wife at one point going, you should just leave. You should just call it quits. Get out of here. Take the kids. Go give them a decent life because mm -hmm. I'm broken and I can't. <laughs> and because I was just like, this is this is pointless. Yeah. Everything I'm doing is pointless. And so you start tying everything to your value. And before you know it, <laughs> you're standing in the kitchen and you burned a piece of chicken. And so you take the back window out with a whatever implement is next to you that you pick right. up and throw. Right. Because oh, I, I know. Because I can't even do this right. Yes. Everything that I touch falls apart. I, I became the most like depressed and not out. I mean, you wouldn't have known it to come talk to me because I, you know, I ain't going to let you see that, but I was inwardly just falling apart because everything was tied to my value. Mm -hmm. People don't understand. Like when I tell people in my Wednesday night class, like it, none of it matters. None of it means anything about you. People don't understand how huge of a statement that is for me because well, I, everything was about me. Right. That's not different than most human beings. You got to understand the part of me that, that decided I was just broken and incapable and couldn't was the part where I went, okay, I got you. Okay. I'm going to walk away now. I'm just going to go because I'll screw it up again. I will hurt you again if I stick around. So I'm going to go. And that was a feature of my life for a long time. You know, for a period of time, it's like, okay, I screwed up, I know. You're gonna be okay if I'm not there. And so I would just go. Yeah. Um, that's how I ended up in Marion, Ohio, partly. Yep. Um, it's, everything in my life I was trying to grasp onto to find value and then like when it broke, mm -hmm. I went, okay, I broke that. Let's go find something else rather than, uh, and, and this is what, you know, in, in the same way that, that Mike Green has taught me over the years is that none of that actually matters. That if I'm broken, God still loves me. Mm -hmm. if, if I perceive that I'm broken, God still loves me. And there are people around who will still love me. Yeah regardless of how broken they know I am mm -hmm. because they've gotten to see it. I'm, I become concerned when I watch people want to determine the expectations of other people in their life mm -hmm. because I know what that's like. Yep. Yeah. And <laughs> God bless my wife. She's a saint. She, uh, at this stage in the game, she will, she can tell when I'm struggling, when this thing starts coming back up. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> she'll just be like, 
Hey. You okay? Man, I'm all right. And she's a saint for staying through all that. Well, she knows who God is, for one. <laughs> she she struggles. Yeah, with that idea too. Sure. Like every other human being. Sure. And it's what if I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a situation we place expectations on other people. Mhm. Um or there are things that we want partly because of what our own wants are. Now in the in the worst cases it becomes manipulation. You know, one person will try to manipulate another to get something done so that they have a good feeling mm. about that. Okay. Is that how God relates to us or how we relate to God? Do we try to manipulate and determine with God so that we can get this goal of this perfect existence with him or this comfortable, peaceful joy thing that we read about in the Bible? Hmm. It's hard. Yeah. Because what are we striving for at that point? We're still striving, striving for the value of how we feel in relationship to God when we have nothing to give him mm -hmm. other than just going, okay, other than just agreement. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to do that. And when I say what I'm going to do, might be like those people that like, like the... The trip hammer, like the, the people that can just go to work every day. Yep. Do the job. Yep. And it doesn't inwardly affect them, whatever that job is. Yep. It doesn't affect their core. Where mm -hmm. for some people, like you, it might, it would, it does. Yeah. I mean, uh, there, there are... The, this... So backing up to what you just said um, about having expectations with other people, for me, I actually very rarely struggle with that, with mm -hmm. expectations of other people. For me, it's expectations of me. That That is the crux of all of this, has been expectations of me. And... I don't care what you do. Oh, that's not even true. That is not even a little bit no, true. No, I care I care about you as a person, but I don't have expectations of you outside of you're a brother in the Lord. I expect you to act as such. If you start going stupid, I'm going to call you out about it because I care about you. Right. But as mm. far as but as far as expectations of other people like I expect you to do this and since you're not I'm going to manipulate the situation to get what I want out of it no you don't manipulate the situation mm -mm. what do you do me yeah I don't know what do I do I know I'm asking you I don't know I just leave <gasps> you just you so much like me I just go well well no you to, you you, you you start to measure your engagement based okay. based on their response. Okay. I, I see it. Yeah. 
I do it. That's probably why I see. I it. don't even recognize and that. You don't recognize. I that. don't. I know. It's like because, because it, I I look. You say that. You say manipulation of uh, uh, of someone else to get what you want. And I and mani- I go manipulation means a conscious awareness of doing that. Sure, but we but I look at that and un- go. I I don't. I'm not. No, you don't. I don't care about what other people do. Right. And because of that, if it gets too hairy. I'll just step back and yep. go go on with your bad self. Yeah. Now there's a place where I'm that not here needs to argue to, needs to happen, <laughs> but there's also a place where we have to be people who are willing to come alongside someone and go. I hate what's going on, but I'm going to be there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the other part of it. Yeah. the 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 hard part for expectations, though, in in my mind, is for me. Because I don't form expectations for other people. I try really hard not to, anyway. Do you see a failure in another person as you not meeting your expectation for them? No. You don't? No. No. Okay. Well, if it's one of my kids, I do. If it's someone that you have... If I am responsible for for that failure, then yeah. Do you see the failure of an, an, an occasional failure of your children as an in, as, as even a soft indictment on you? One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. But we do that. It's with kids. It's so right there. Sure. But just and anyone with whom we have some relationship, it's very easy to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't. They're 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 wrong. They're doing something that yep. is not correct. Therefore, I have failed to meet something in them to get them to the place of correctness. Right. That's all determination. Yeah. It, well, and I feel like as a father, that's my job. Oh, it is. Father is a different realm. Sure. I, I stepped a circle or two out of that yeah. to make that statement. Yeah. For me, that's that's where it comes from. Outside, right. of, outside of husbandry, fatherhood, and ministry stuff, like people that I'm deeply attached to and engaged with like discipleship engaged with in ministry Mm -hmm. outside of that circle Mm -hmm. not at all okay inside of that circle immensely yeah and you and i have talked about this i what was the term i discovered the other day about me i remember i was telling you about a video uh that I saw, I was like, holy crap, it's me on video. Um, there's a term for what I am. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, what was it? Hyper. Oh, man. What is it called? Anyway, the guy was walking hyper, around. Hyperfixation. Hyperfixation. And, and, and it was I'm like. I'm done after taking a nap now. <laughs> uh, and, and I went, sitting here having this discussion that that whole thing right there is going how is that if that's who god made me to be then it's not possible to do what i need to do as a husband and a father right with that toolkit right but god also made you the person who can talk it made you kind of a chameleon and i mean that in all the 100%. positive senses so your hyperfixation is only someone's out there making faces I don't know who that is. I can't see him. 
I just see. Oh, I don't either. I, I just, just see lollipops yeah, waving around. Weird. I don't know. That was weird. Sorry. That hyperfixation is also a part of. Oh, it's Miss Deb. Oh, it's Miss Deb Deb. Oh, look at this. Hi, Deb she, Deb. She brings us food. <gasps> you brought us food? What is this? Kebabs? Oh, that's lovely. <gasps> Debbie brought us kebabs. Did you make these? Yeah. It's my first time using the grill, too. So. Yay. No, propane. Ever? Yeah, propane. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was bringing, I brought him up to share with the guys, so. Well, thank you. So if they're not good, you can mm. blame it on my lack of sense. No, they're good. That's all right. They probably yeah. smell good. Good luck. They do. Thanks. Thank you. You're welcome for interrupting. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll accept it. I'll allow it. Uh, kebabs from Debbie. It's a beautiful thing. But the we all have things about which we are super focused on. Mm -hmm. Those are almost always things that we enjoy or take or find some value in. Sure. I I'm not I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing because everyone has to determine that for themselves. I have a napkin for you. Oh, thank you. There you go. <laughs> I had to stress. So the, here's here's what I'm saying. The, am I so caught up in determining where my fixation is, where my cutoff point is, where my engagement extends that I cannot? Is my membrane semi-permeable or is it? kind of like a one-way thing is is it that solid here's what i mean i know of someone who's there's a there's a there's a person i know who is kind of on the edge of things and really wants to be involved but doesn't know how because they've been hurt before and so i keep trying to invite them in and they will they will they will stand at a distance literally stand at a distance so as so as not to engage i have to make sure that at least in terms of that person the membrane is semi-permeable that that he can come and then he can step back in back out and in and out until he feels like he is part of what is going on yeah i can't determine what god has for him i can't determine what my expectations are for him to experience other than me just going, come on, come on in, the water's fine. I am so aware of not determining what God is going to do other than just saying, oh, you said you were gonna do that. Okay, we're gonna do that, but I'm not gonna worry about the how. It's so funny to me that operationally the two conversations that are coming out of you and I mm -hmm. are so operationally juxtaposed mm -hmm. because I'm sure that I do that somewhere but mm -hmm. I am not even remotely conscious of it I know because I am one who would rather never ever determine anything Oh, I, I would know. rather it be that way. I know, but in... Okay, this is a weird philosophical kind of thing. Right. But in deciding to not decide, you have decided. Sure. In determining to not determine, we have already determined. Uh-huh, sure. And I get that. I totally get it. Yeah. 
That's why I said operationally, uh-huh. like the way that it plays out and functionally. I it was that that's also part of the problem, quote unquote, is that I don't like plans. I don't like I don't like dates. I don't like calendars. I don't like lists. You I don't, don't like, like planning. I don't like fences. I don't like boxes. I don't like cages. I don't like walls. Because all of those things I view through the lens of them being oppressive, not protective. Interesting. And ergo, stick me in a nine to five job every day. And I hate my life because it feels oppressive because I can't just turn left, right? Because I can't just decide to go here today. (laughs) And God requires that all the time. Sure. And I will, because that, that is a major part of like, for lack of a better way to put it, the, the, the psychology of me, the way that my psyche works is I have to have an area where I can just go, Hey, let's go to Cincinnati today. Hey, let's go here today. Hey, let's go do this right now. Don't need a plan. Don't need, Nope. That'll just mess it up. Just go. Right. That's, I have to be able to do that somewhere or I will explode or I will do what I did in my early twenties and become a complete ogre of a human being because I hate every aspect of my life. Right. Because I have no freedom. At least that's my viewpoint, right? That's the lens. That's how it feels. That's the lens. Yeah. And, and so I'm at a place now because I know we got to wrap this up because we're an hour and a half in, but I'm at a place now where, Uh, I had this experience of finally finding employment that I absolutely fell in love with. And I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Were there crappy people? Yeah, you have that at every job. Mm-hmm. Were there stresses? Yeah, you have that at every job. Mm-hmm. But the act of the, the, the work that was being done, I enjoyed so much. Mm-hmm. And then I lost that. Mm-hmm. And I remember this. Oh, no. Here we are, go. Are we going through this again? You said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I know what this looks like. And it was terrifying. Yeah. And I remember going, God, I, I have to be able to provide for my family. I don't care what it is. I just need a job, like now. And I remember thinking... Holy crap. That's new. Because <laughs> my, my entire internal desire was just to be able to fulfill that, to plug that hole so that everybody else is okay. Right? Well, you realize we've come around to saying the same thing. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And, and someone asked me the other day, and it's hilarious, because somebody asked me the other day, like, hey, How's your job going, man? Uh, no, actually, uh, dude recently got out of prison, 
and was at the church and was like, hey, are you still doing the whole welding thing? He was working at the blah, blah. And I was like, nope. He was like, really? What happened? And I went through this whole thing. He's like, well, you like what you're doing now? And I'm like, nope, I hate it. He was like, really? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't like it at all. For him, the idea of doing something that you absolutely hate but continue to do it yeah. is almost anathema. Oh, that's me, too. Me, and that's uh, no, I, I used to do sure. the same thing. I get it. And so, so but the, the blessing in that was I, I remember telling my wife about that conversation. She was just like, who are you? Because <laughs> in this conversation, this is a different human. Because in this conversation, I remember I, I was like, "No, nah, I don't like it at all." But it, I, I feel like God handed it to me and said, "Here you go. This will meet your needs." And there are so many blessings about it. There's so many great things in there. Yes. Um, it, it's 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 one of those things where, and and even in that job. There are conversations that I get to have about this mm -hmm. because there are other people in a job who have the same kind of struggles, right? And so I remember looking at somebody a couple of days ago and going, well, because they said, hey, what's your opinion about X, Y, Z? And I went, well, my opinion really is kind of worthless. So well, why even talk about it, right? It's like, I'm not in charge. I don't really have an opinion. Right. No, but I really want your opinion. Like, what do you think? So I said, I think it's stupid. And they're just like, huh? I'm like, you asked. I didn't want to. I, I told you not to. I said, I think what we're doing is a waste of time and energy. Yeah. And the only reason we're doing it is to satisfy this portion of mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. You're not gaining anything else by it. We're not accomplishing anything else aside boy. from making that part of you happy. Boy, how is Boy, there's a... Mm -hmm. And if it's worth the half a day to do it, I don't care. And just the blank stare of, you'd have thought I killed a baby in front of him. And I was just like, listen, I don't care what we do. As long as I get that paycheck on Friday, it doesn't matter to me. I, I, I will, yeah, I will do whatever you ask me to yeah, do. It doesn't matter. I said, how I feel about it doesn't matter. None of that matters. And they were just like jaw on the floor. I was like, listen, it's an old saying. I don't mind. Or it's mind over matter. Mm -hmm. And they were like, huh? I was like, I don't mind. And it don't matter. Mm -hmm. Right? What that means is I don't care. I don't have any opinion. I don't have a dog in this fight. Mm -hmm. I come to work every day. My goal is to do whatever you ask me to do to the best of my ability and collect a paycheck at the end of the week. Right. Outside of that, Unless you ask me to do something completely immoral, my opinions or feelings about it are irrelevant. You would not, in f to, toward your boss, your employer, you wouldn't raise your opinions or your emotions or your thinking or, you know, your thoughts. You wouldn't take all those things and put so much value on them that you would raise them above what your boss says. Not now. Not now. I have. Yeah, a lot. I know. I know. We, all have. <laughs> we, we all have in one way or another. But you would not do that. So why do we as human beings take our feelings and our thoughts and, you know, our emotions about something and put so much value on them that we raise those things up to the level of what God is asking us to do and determine out of that? That is the exact conversation that I had. Yeah. And it was with my boss. Yeah. 
that conversation that I just shared yeah. and leading into the one you just said mm-hmm. is exactly what happened. Right. And it was with my employer. Yeah. I looked at them and Which said. Which is a beautiful thing. I looked at them and said, listen, I don't, when you ask me questions and I say, I don't know, or I don't care, it's because I've spent the last 15, 20 years of my life. Making sure I care. Training myself. Yeah. To not do this. Yeah. So when you open up the door wide open and say, run through it, I go, no, that's dangerous mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's a door that once I start running through it, I will find all the other doors just like it and run that's like right. crazy. That's right. I said, so listen, forgive me, but my opinion doesn't matter. You have been training and disciplining yourself. I have. And so, but it led into a really cool conversation. And so, but that's kind of where we're at now is, do I absolutely love the job that I do every day? No. Is it interesting sometimes? Yeah. I get to work with some cool people who love Jesus. And I get to do some cool things in some cool places. Is it really my bag? No. Does that matter? Not really. Do I want it to matter a lot? Yeah, but it doesn't. And I have to remind myself all the time, doesn't matter. That conversation that I got to have with my employer is what I have to remind myself of every day. It's the mm-hmm. conversation I have in my head every single day. Mm-hmm. You're here to do what you're told to the best of your ability yeah. and collect paycheck. Yeah. Nothing else matters. Right. Nothing else is of any consequence. Are you doing what you can do to please your bosses? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's all God asks of us. How you feel about it doesn't matter. Right. Results don't matter. How you feel about it doesn't matter. What you think about it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. None of it matters. Show up. Say yes, sir. Do your job. Do your job. With an awareness of what your boss wants and the customer. Yep. With an awareness of that. Sure. But then just, okay, that's what I'm going to, that's, I think we place so much more value on what we think God is wanting us to do that that mindset is difficult for a lot of people because not only do they they determine what it is that God wants, but they determine also what God wants for someone else. And so now they have to help that person do what they think God is wanting them to do when it may not even be even close. And then you get in the way of all that. Now you're spreading your own poison on somebody else. So this is 57 hours. Sorry. We went real deep on this. (laughs) Striving, discipline, personal awareness, engagement. All those things are, are, are part of this. Um, you may have to rewind and re-listen to this a couple times, folks. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty meaty. Yeah. So not unlike this kebab that Debbie brought us. Is and it it's good? beautiful. I noticed that he looked at me, got me talking, and then he went and ate half the kebab. <laughs> well, mine sits here. <laughs> I, all I needed was a little break to do some chewing and swallowing. So here's here's where we are. There's nothing that God is going to ask you to do that he doesn't want done. 
He will ask you to do things just for your training and your discipline. I know that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's his will, not ours. That's why our determination gets in the way. All we need to do, in essence, is to love other people in the way that God loves them loves them and allow them to come alongside him and agree with what's going on in their life and in that is exactly the way that we can find someone to bless love you bye